This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Real Housewives of Atlanta star and singer Candy Burris has become a mom in four different ways. Most recently, she let the Bravo cameras follow her around as she went on the journey of welcoming a baby via surrogate. But I wanted to know about what we didn't see on camera and also hear more about her IVF experience. These are still taboo and controversial topics, despite the fact that nearly two in a hundred of all babies born in the U.S. every year are conceived using assisted technology, which typically means IVF, and surrogate births have quadrupled in the last decade. Candy and I got into everything. Unsurprisingly, she was incredibly open and candid with me about the stresses of IVF and surrogacy, but also what a gift the whole process was. And a little bit later, we talked to Candy's surrogate, Shadina, about what it's like being on that side of the equation. This is Me Becoming Mom, where we talk to famous women you know and love all about their extraordinary journeys to motherhood. I'm Zoe Ruderman from People. You have become a mom in four unique ways. And you obviously four? Four. Well, you became a stepmom, which I can oh, becoming okay. a mom. You became a mom in what is it, like 20 years ago now? Mm-hmm. In um lower intervention ways, I'm guessing, and then IVF and then surrogacy. <laughs> she said the lower intervention. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I wasn't trying. It wasn't expected. Uh, Yeah. I never want to say natural because I feel like then that implies that other ways are unnatural. So lower intervention feels right. I like it. I'm hoping that we can start first with your IVF journey. Talk to me about when you realized you wanted to be trying and and what that was like. Okay. So um, at first when my now husband, Todd, when we first got together, obviously we weren't trying. We were having sex, a lot of it, and we never had a oops moment. Okay. Meaning some people have a oops moment where like, oh my God, I think I might be pregnant. We never had any of those happen. So- And just to be real, like you guys, but you weren't not not trying. Like you weren't using protection. You were just kind of seeing what happened. We weren't doing anything to prevent, put it that way. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were actively trying, but if it would have happened, obviously it would have been a happy moment for us because we were happy together. Normally you would think you would have those moments where you would be like, oh my God, you know, oh my God, I think I might be pregnant or my period is late or any of that. And none of that was happening. When we got married, at that point we had been together two and a half years And we decided to talk to the doctor about, well, why haven't we gotten pregnant? You know, in my mind, I definitely didn't think it was because of me because I'm like, okay, clearly I have a daughter and, you know, I didn't have to have any help getting her. So I didn't think it was that I was the issue, but I was apparently because I had had fibroid issues in the past and I had multiple fibroid removals. Anyway, it caused scar tissue that um, I guess was preventing me from getting pregnant. So that's why we decided to go on our IVF journey. So how did you feel when you heard from your doctor, I don't think you're going to be able to conceive naturally, and she recommended IVF? I imagine that was a surprise. Was it upsetting? Did you feel like, at least now I have a path forward and I have an explanation? I didn't get too upset. 
because I mean, it's just a part of life. I'm a solutions person. So I just don't try to like keep going on about the problem. I just try to fix it. And the fix was to go consult with the IVF doctor. (laughs) And at this point, did you know anything about IVF? Did you have friends who went through it? Was it a mystery to you? Basically, they gave me the option of, okay, they could remove the scar tissue and we could try again, or we could remove the scar tissue and go ahead and go through the IVF process. Okay. Because I was in my late 30s, I um, decided just to go ahead with the IVF process or whatever. So we started the process, which basically they give you the hormones to make you produce more eggs. And then they do the egg retrieval. I actually have a video of when we went to the pharmacy and they sat me down to explain each medication and what did it mean, how I had to do the multiple shots a day, and then the trigger shot when you were finally ready to go in for your retrieval or whatever. So (laughs) they were talking us through it and, you know, you have to make the decision like, am I going to give the shots to myself? Am I going to get somebody else to give me the shots? You know, it's a whole big thing. You know, some people are scared of blood. Some people are scared to give themselves injections or whatever. So were you um, scared to give yourself an injection? I wasn't scared, but I really wanted my husband to do it at first. But then he pissed me off one day because he was out and um, partying. He wasn't there back in time to give me my shots. So I just gave myself. So at that point, I just was giving myself my shots. So I was just like, forget you. I got my That's shot. so funny. The same thing happened to me. It was for my trigger shot and my husband didn't come back in time. And you know, it's like they tell you 8 p.m. and it has to be exactly 8 p.m. And he wasn't yeah. there. And I was like, it. I'm just going to do it myself. And then I felt so amazing that I could do it myself. And from that point on, I was like, I don't need you. I'm going to do them all myself. So it's kind of empowering. Yeah. yeah. So I forgot how many weeks that process was of giving yourself the shots prior to the trigger. I feel like it was under two weeks and you're like yeah. going in for monitoring and they're looking at your follicles. And for me, it was such a roller coaster because you're like, I hope my follicles are growing at the right rate and they're telling you how many. And every day it feels like you're getting information. And then so tell me when you finally get the message like, okay, you can give yourself the trigger shot and then we're going to do the retrieval. Were you feeling hopeful, nervous? It never was a doubt in my mind that it was going to work for me. I love that. I knew it was a possibility that it would not go my way. But in my heart of hearts, I just felt like it would. For me, the hard part wasn't the retrieval and all of that. It was the part after. So tell me, so they do the retrieval. Do you remember how many eggs you got from that retrieval? Yes, Yes, I do. How many? I got 12 originally. That's a lot. Yeah, but... As you know, the number goes down. Of course. So it goes down because they tell you, here's how many got fertilized. Here's how many made it to do the genetic testing. Mm -hmm. So how many, after all of those steps, how many embryos that were healthy did you end up with? So it, it dropped down to six. And then after I had them tested, I only had four. Mm -hmm. So that was a little heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Not that it was a bad thing to come away with four because especially now, because now I have so many people I know are going through the process or have gone through it since me. I understand that you can really come through with zero, but 
I was just like, when the number kept going down every other day, I was getting nervous. I was getting scared. I was like, oh my God, like, what if I don't have any? You know what I mean? So I was really, really panicking. So yeah, but since I done mine, I've met so many friends that, you know, some people walk away with zero. So I just was like, from my own experience, I was panicking. You know what I mean? And then when they tell you, that you do have two that have abnormal chromosomes, then that puts on these different thoughts in your brain, like, well, what, what's wrong? And why did, you know what I mean? So yeah, it was a lot of thoughts going through my head. Of course. Yeah. And did you find out the sex of the four that were healthy? Actually, later on, I went back and asked. So it was like two boys, two girls. Uh Uh-huh. So then did you do the transfer right away or did you wait a little while after the retrieval? No, I went right away because like I said, I, by that time my birthday hit and I was 39. I wanted to have a child before I hit 40. So I was like, okay, please God, let us all come together, you know, and let us have a healthy baby. So it worked out. Oh, by the way. I guess we should basically let everybody know if they do have a significant other that they plan to use their sperm for the embryo. Yeah, there is a process for them to have to go in the clinic as well to donate their their sperm. (laughs) They get the fun part. We get the hard part. What was Todd thinking through all of this? Like, was he game? Was he hesitant about any of it? What was he feeling? Todd was super excited through the whole process. Like, I hate that, like, when we did it, when the show was taping, it seemed like I was basically dragging him through the process. You know, it seemed like he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, he was, you know, just as excited as I was to get things going because this was, you know, our combination. We both had daughters coming into our marriage, but this was for the both of us, us together, having a child together. And plus, this was his first time experiencing being a part of his child's life from birth because it was different circumstances in his other situation. Yeah, it's really special. Yeah. Okay, so you do the transfer. Did you choose the sex of the embryo that you transferred first? (laughs) To be honest, yes. You know, I didn't tell people that the first time around. I don't know why we were ashamed when we do that. Did you and Todd both agree on the sex that you wanted or was there some debate there? No, there was no debate. We put the two boys in first. The only one took. So we were really sad about that, obviously. I mean, we kind of really wanted twins, you know. Of course, I think everybody kind of wants twins if you can get them. But, you know, I guess it worked out how it should happen, I guess. I was a little disappointed, but I was super excited that I did have at least one. Yeah, that's such an interesting moment, though, because it's so bittersweet. You go into it and you know you worked really hard for that embryo and it didn't take. The funny thing is, like, when we would do videos of ourselves giving the shots and everything, I have a video where I'm talking to the camera and I'm like, I just want you to know that we really worked hard for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I guess, honestly, that video goes for Blaze and Ace because they both came from this batch of Right. Yeah. So we worked hard for them. So tell me about that pregnancy. When did you start to feel physically pregnant? Did you allow yourself to get excited right away? Or because you'd been through so much, did you feel like, oh, I, I have to get out of the first trimester before I get excited? When did you tell people? 
I did wait till the first trimester was over. They still had me doing injections until I was like two and a half months into. Yeah. And were these the really painful injections that go in your butt, like in your butt cheek? Yeah, I was doing those um, because they said it would help to make sure you maintain the pregnancy. Right. So I was doing everything I could to make sure that the pregnancy made it the whole way through. Everything was going well in the beginning. But then around the six month mark, I believe it was, I had a little spotting and oh my God, I was so scared. Like I was really panicking because I was like, and my pregnancy with Riley, I didn't have any issues whatsoever. So I was just like, what is this? Why? You know, it was just, I guess something that just happens sometimes and it it didn't turn into anything more. Thank the Lord for that. Yeah. You don't want that type of thing happening during a pregnancy that's already fragile in your mind. Of course. So then tell me about when you knew you were going into labor and you were going to deliver. Well, it was planned. The date was planned because of they had put me at high risk when I had the bleeding issue or whatever. Yep. So at that point, she set the date and they actually moved my date up because whatever they were seeing, she just felt like they needed to... um move my date up. They tried to move it up again, but I wouldn't let them because I was like, that's too close to Christmas. And I do not want my child to have a birthday by Christmas. And everybody tried to give him one gift for his birthday and his Christmas. No. Good planning. You were thinking. So so I was like, we got to hold it out. So his birthday is January 6th. So we planned that date, 1616, January 6th, 2016. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you nervous going into it? Yes, because she also wanted to do a C-section because of the fibroid surgeries that I had had before. They just thought it'd be to be better to do it as a C-section and not try to do a, a natural birth. Now with Riley, I had only experienced natural birth and we did not do epidural or anything when I had my first child. So this was a little... A little interesting for me. I was like, oh, my God, now I got to do this. I don't know if this is right. You know, a friend of mine told me she had scared me and said, if I get an epidural, then you're going to have back problems for the rest of your life. That's what she told me. Oh, God. So that's why I didn't do it the first time. But then this was easy breezy. I'm like, really? I don't have any back problems. Like, I don't know why you told me that. (laughs) Yeah. So you go in, um, they give you the epidural. How was Todd feeling? Was he nervous? Who was the more nervous of the two of you? I think we were both level-headed. We both were calm. It was really smooth. We went into the room together. Oh, my gosh. Let me just say, I had to have a spit cup because that epidural, I don't know, it it just made me spit a lot. Oh, that's so funny. disgusting. This is gross. Tell me about the moment that the doctors hand your baby to you. Oh, it was a beautiful time because, you know, it's just like when you work so hard for something or someone in this yeah. instance to finally see him, to finally be able to hear his little voice, to see his little fingers and toes. Like that's the best part about having a baby anyway. You know, the first moment you get to look at him and count their toes and stuff. It was just an amazing feeling. 
Hey guys, it's Hoda from the Today Show. I cannot wait to tell you about my new podcast. It's called Making Space with Hoda Kotb, and I invite you to join me as we make space for incredibly uplifting stories from inspiring guests. Some you may know, others I'm so excited for you to meet. They're going to share stories of perseverance and triumph, often overcoming what once seemed impossible. So join me every week, and together we'll make space to learn, grow, and feel inspired. Listen to Making Space with Hoda Kotb now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Candy and Todd were overjoyed. And of course, all of those shots, including that painful trigger shot, were worth it to be able to hold their healthy baby boy. And while that road was paved with its fair share of tears, Ace is constantly making her laugh now. I want you guys to go to my YouTube page and also watch my videos and definitely subscribe and like um, the videos for me to get a, a million subscribers and a trillion subscribers for <laughs> me to have a golden play button. You want a golden play button? Guys, look. That's me when I'm pretending I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> Guys, look. Come here. <laughs> About a year later, Candy says she started to feel like she was ready for another baby, or babies. But her doctor told her that if she tried to carry again, she'd more than likely need another fibroid surgery. And even if she had that surgery, the scarring would decrease the chances of an embryo being able to implant. But Candy and Todd still had those two frozen embryos, two embryos that led them down a very different path to their daughter, Blaze. So it was all these different conversations going on. But one day, Todd and I were like, he said, no man left behind. <laughs> I know what he means. <laughs> so we decided to have the conversation about, okay, what are our options, our embryos, and so I told Dr. Jackie that we were thinking about doing a surrogate. And it just so happened that she knew, well, Shadina Blunt it was our surrogate. And yep. um, Shadina actually had been a surrogate for another family prior to us. Right. And Dr. Jackie was her doctor, and that's how they met. So Dr. Jackie was like, well, I know somebody who's been a surrogate before. Maybe she could talk with you guys and you guys could see if that's something you really want to do. So the conversation that we actually had on the show was the first conversation that we had with her in real life. Hey, guys. Hi. I want you to meet Shadina. Hey. hey. How, how are you? you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You got a million questions. What made you decide to become a surrogate? Well, I worked in OBGYN care and always would feel so sad when I would have the patients that couldn't get pregnant or either would get pregnant and couldn't sustain it. And so I was like, if I could ever help them, I would. I just have to imagine it helped so many viewers too. I'm sure a lot yeah. of people appreciated it. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I feel like it, it did help a lot of people. I had a lot of people reach out to me after that and said that it helped them. And, and then, you know, it kind of normalized it for a lot of people who felt like it was something that they wanted to do, but they felt scared to try it because of the judgment of others. Yeah. I read, I think it was one interview where you said that you got a message. I forget if it was from a family member or a friend who said like, I can't believe you're considering this and you know, aren't you worried you're not going to have a bond? So tell me about the judgment that you had to endure. It really hurt my feelings. You know, I don't like really talking about it because it makes me emotional, but I don't think she was trying to hurt my feelings. But when she saw it or heard that I was doing it, she was just like, aren't you afraid that you're not going to bond with your baby? Like, she's older. So I guess her initial thinking is like, just because somebody doesn't physically have their baby, that they won't be able to have that same bond as a mother who physically pushed the baby out. Yeah. And I can tell you for sure, if you ever had a doubt in your mind, that is not true. Okay. It is not true. You immediately are going to love your baby the same way if you pushed out your own bottom as somebody else. You know what I mean? It does not matter. But it just was kind of hurtful to hear that. Of course. So tell me about, so you have this conversation with Shadina and it's not meant to be like, you're going to be my surrogate. We're doing this. It's just to get information. Were there things she shared with you that were surprising, encouraging? How did you walk away from that meeting? I love Shadina because she was so informative. And she totally understood that because you get always scared when you see those movies, the scary movies, (laughs) and the people are like, it's my baby now. Oh, God. You know, she totally was happy to carry the baby for someone else and to help somebody else have that experience, you know what I mean, of building their family. She already had three children of her own. She had no desire of having any more of her own children. So it was a comfort level of speaking with someone who had already been through the experience. Plus, she had done it and delivered a healthy baby before. Right. So the things that you fear going into it is, are they going to be eating right? Are they going to be going to the appointments like they're supposed to? Are they going to be doing this? Are they going to be doing that? And a lot of those things, Shadina, obviously she had already done the full from A to Z. She'd already done it, but she gave the information. Did you transfer both embryos? Yes, we did transfer So you transferred both embryos and she finds out she's pregnant. What was it like finding out? Well, it was super exciting. We were super happy, obviously, that she was pregnant. But then, you know, they did the scan and we were super, super excited because both embryos took initially. Then a few weeks later, like a month later, it was like a few weeks into it. One of them, I don't know what they call it, but it went away. So we lost one of them, basically. So what was that like for you and Todd? I was super sad, like, you know, because once again, you know, we're thinking that we might have twins and then they tell us, yes, both of them are there. And then we are all like happy, excited and the numbers were going up and then they stopped going up. Mm. And then you're sitting there like praying, hoping that something is going to change and it didn't change. You're super happy that you do have a healthy one. 
But then you're super sad that you lost one. Of course. And that's even more so than with the pregnancy before because you didn't have that moment of, okay, we do have two and you get excited about that and start picturing it. Yeah. That's a lot to go through. Yeah. So it was that. And then, you know, as it kept going, it was just more so just praying that the one that we did have with her, that it stayed because it's like when you do see both and then you see one go away. It's not really explained sometimes why Mm -hmm. that happens. It's not like she had the issues that I had. We were just kind of sad about it. But then I was like, oh, my God, now that Blaze is here, I'm like, you know what? I was meant to only have one of these girls because this girl is, she is a lot to handle. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) She is different than all the rest of my kids. She's, She's a lot. Oh, that's so funny. Did you ever talk to Andy Cohen about comparing surrogacy stories or? You know, it's so crazy. We both were going through the same situation at the same time, but I did not know that right. he was going through it. But one day he called me, I guess because he knew that I was having an emotional moment. And he was like, it's going to be great. And he was talking to me from the standpoint of his friend was going through this situation. Oh, wow. But it was really him. I didn't know. But he was telling me, don't worry, it's going to be fine. And stop saying, because I think we were making the joke like it was our baby mama or something. And he was like, that is not, you're that baby's mom. He was like, you don't ever say that. I think he said like, she's the oven (laughs) or something like that. I like that. Or something. I forgot what he said. It was something else. But it was just like, he just made me feel better and feel... It just calmed my nerves about the whole situation. I'm curious if in the contract it has things like she can have sexual relations with people. Do you have to know who those people are? (laughs) I'm asking all the questions. I'm curious. She said she wasn't. So we were good with that. She wasn't in a relationship at the time and she wasn't planning to, you know, add any relationship during the, you know, whatever. So that made us feel better. We was cool with that. I mean, of course we wasn't checking her yeah. in there or nothing. We definitely wanted to see her house. Yeah. We went by and visited her house. Even though your baby's never going to live there, you want to know like, okay, what is she, what her refrigerator yeah. looks like? You know what I mean? Some people believe like the environment affects everything, you know, during a pregnancy. So you want to know how is she living? You know, is she comfortable? Did you ever have moments? I'm curious, like, because you had experienced being pregnant and feeling the first kick or, you know, even the heartburn, like those things that feel negative. It's, she it's had heartburn too. She did. That's so funny. And did the baby have a lot of hair? Yes. So yes. the story checks out. It's, it's yes. factual. Were you sad to not have those physical experiences or was it just pure happiness through the whole thing? Okay. So this, is gonna, this might sound bad, but at first... I was sad about it, right? I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be carrying my own child. This is crazy. How does this work? What am I doing? You know, I was second guessing myself. Like, why am I doing this? You know, like I was getting scared. I see a movie come out with some crazy stuff. So I was like, what am I doing? Then after I really got comfortable with Shadina and she would call on a regular basis, you know, we check in with her. We had our regular texts going. We would go to appointments together. And I knew that she was doing everything perfectly on point. Right. Then I was like, you know what? That's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my nice body's side. still looking kind of good. 
Totally. No heartburn. You can eat No heartburn. But, you know, poor thing. I think we went out to eat with her. And she, you know, I was like, poor thing. She got to worry about all this. I don't have to worry about that, you know. That's funny. Well, you went through it already, so it was fair. Okay, so tell me about what is it like in the delivery when there's a surrogate delivering? Is it a crowded room? It was funny. We had Ace and Riley there and Todd, myself, the doctor. We had them to be like behind her kind of like so they couldn't see. Yeah. But um, it was a crowded room, but everything was cool. It was perfect. Um, Shadina, she had a vaginal birth. And um, (laughs) Blaze came out and it was just kind of like Riley was like, you know. If you've never seen it before, it's a lie. You see a baby and it still goes out with all the stuff on it. It was just kind of like, but yeah. But no, it was pretty cool. Actually, I was the one who cut the cord. I knew what it looked like, you know, for a baby to come out. So that was cool. But to have my own baby come out, it is not coming out of my body. It was a little interesting, but it was just awesome. And then the thing that's so funny is you still have your own hospital room. Okay. So we had a hospital room for Shadina, obviously, that she goes to. And then you have your own hospital room that you and the baby go to. And so everybody thought it was so weird to see me in the hospital bed. I remember Gabrielle Union talking about how she got so many trolls giving her so much for being in a hospital bed. And she's like, I'm holding a baby. What do you want me to do? Yeah, I think you're right. People don't realize what the setup is. Yeah, they don't understand, and but it is definitely necessary because it's not like you're gonna take your baby home the first night, and of you want to bond with your baby just because you didn't push him out. You still want to have the same bonding experience, same feedings. I, obviously, I'm not able to breastfeed at that point, but we started Blaze out on formula. But initially, Shadina was pumping for the first month, and you know, bringing us milk and stuff like that. So. She still got breast milk and formula in the first month. I'm curious in that moment, who holds the baby first? Did the doctor hand the baby to you first, to Shadina? To What's me. That mom- to you. Yeah. yeah it never, the baby never goes to your surrogate. Got it. Even though, I mean, Shadina did all the physical work. The baby is mine. Of course. Of course, you know, we hugged, you know, we said thank you and- Um, We still keep in touch, but she's very comfortable with the fact that, okay, see y'all later. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) She did her part. (laughs) She did her part and she was ready to go. We started by talking about how you came into motherhood in all these different ways. So I'm curious with IVF, what was the most surprising thing about the process that you didn't realize going into it? Good or bad? That trigger shot hurt like hell. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That thing hurt like hell. I didn't realize like even after doing, I knew there were shots going to lead up to getting the eggs, but I didn't realize that just for them to put the embryo in you and that whole process that you were going to have to do shots for months after that. So it's like, you're going to have bruises from all the shots that you're doing. Because basically yeah. you're going in the same areas over and over again. That is painful. So this is something physically you really got to want to do this. This is not anything that you just do on a whim. You know, that's the first thing that I think about. The other part about it is 
that just because you say that you want it to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen the way you want to. Like I thought that, oh, I put two in, I'm going to get two. It doesn't happen that way. It's like you said, it's that numbers game. You start with what seems like a lot and it can only go down from there. And then what was the most surprising thing about the surrogacy experience? Well, for me, it was perfect. I could not have found a better person to do the experience with. I'm so thankful for Shadina. After talking to Candy, I was really curious to hear what it's like to be a surrogate. And who better to talk to than the woman who carried Candy's baby? Shadina Blunt has been a surrogate for two women. She now helps people navigate the complexities of the process with her business called Surrogacy Miracles and Consulting. Now, everybody's relationship with their surrogate is different, but to give you a sense of what Candy and Shadina's relationship is like, this is what things sounded like in the delivery room while they were waiting for baby Blaze to arrive. Come on down to the floor. Oh, drop it, drop she it. She was like, yeah, come on, Mom, we need you to get the baby out, Mom. What come on. I don't know what to do. You're supposed to be I'm shooting. I'm not a dancer. I'm not a dancer. You're not a dancer? No. You're not no. dancing again? <laughs> <laughs> that nice shape. I got three, three nice shapes that nobody can dance. Come on, somebody got something. Okay, Shadina, tell me about what it was like in that delivery room. It was fun, actually. It was fun. So Candy and all her family was there. They actually had a wager going on on how much the baby would weigh. I, carrying the baby, was far off from her actual weight. Actually, Mama Joyce was the one that guessed the birth how weight. How funny. Yeah, I know. All her family was there. We prayed together. They came in and visited me. Their room was right across the hall from mine. And so Candy would peep in and check on me out as I was laboring. I did really well. And actually, Ace came in. Ace came in, which actually helped me because I was at a moment of weakness when that pain was kicking in. And I was like, okay, Shadine, you got to kind of hold it together. Ace is coming in to visit you. Um, And soon as she came out, Nicely, Candy and Todd and Ace was able to be in the room when she was born, and she went right into her mama's arms for skin to skin. How does it feel to carry a baby for 40 weeks, or in your case, maybe a little bit longer with this baby, mm-hmm. and and to have that be the outcome? Obviously, you know that's what's going to happen, but I'm curious how you felt. You know, Zoe, that is the moment you live for in surrogacy is to get to that day. I mean, you're a mom and you know that day, like you're pregnant, like you can't wait to get to that day to see that baby that you've been carrying for nine months, right? And that's what does it for me to get to delivery day and be able to see the mom's face, to see their interaction with their baby, like that they've longed for. So I feel 100% fulfilled when we get to that day and they get to get their babies. Did you know who Candy was before you met her? Um, Of course, at that time, I didn't know her personally, but what I did know from what I had seen, of course, on TV is just her personality. And I felt right away that she's more than deserving to be a mother again. And if I could help her, then I absolutely wanted to. And I want to ask about that because it really is one of the greatest gifts that you can give someone else. When did you first consider doing this and what was that final decision like? How did it feel? So I started um, my journey, my career as an OBGYN nurse. Um, I had no idea or any knew anything about surrogacy, really. I knew that I wanted to help women. I knew I wanted to help women. Um, I would see them come into the practice day in and day out and either couldn't conceive or had a lot of difficulty conceiving or would get pregnant and have losses. And I was just in shock, like straight out of college in this OBGYN office. I'm like, oh, my God, I had no idea that it was so difficult for women to get pregnant. 
I got pregnant at 16. I had my first child at 16. And of course, it was very easy. And I'm like, I just couldn't believe it. And I said, if I could ever help someone in that way, I would. You know, it's, it came by me and the Lord blessed me to have a uterus that works very well. And so I was more than willing to help in that way. So tell me a little bit about that matching process. Are you putting out there, this is the kind of birth parents or birth mothers that I'm looking for? Are you just giving your information and they're coming to you? How does that match process work? Yeah, so you complete what we call a planner. So you kind of tell them what type of family you would like to match, what type of relationship you're looking to have. Sometimes carriers, they don't want to travel. They don't want to go outside their state. And so those are some of the factors that we look at. Like, are you willing to travel outside of the state for intended parents? Are you willing to carry two babies potentially, put two in at one time? Are you willing to have that open relationship? Are you looking to do a same-sex couple, specific diet, specific family life? Are we looking for someone that's married or a single woman? I'm really curious about one thing. She mentioned the conversation around like sexual relations and dating. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild. You have to get into these intimate topics. So tell me, like, how do you broach that? How do you come to an agreement? Now, actually, that was one of the first questions that was asked on our initial meeting. Like I said, it was very direct. At the time, I wasn't dating, so it really wasn't anything that we had to go into a long-term conversation about. But it's something you want to talk about. You want to know what's going on there and that everybody's being tested throughout the journey. So we didn't have to have a long conversation about it, but they definitely asked. And so, and then offered some of that bedroom candy. Ah! <laughs> <in the process. laughs> That's amazing. One of the most common questions we got when we asked women what they were curious about was the cost of it. Yeah, cost is big. A lot of people want to know about cost. Surrogacy in a whole can cost somewhere between 90 to 150K. So it's expensive. And the biggest thing about being so expensive is there's no guarantee in it. So I could match you with a carrier, perfectly great carrier, but I can't guarantee that she can get pregnant. After I match you, that's kind of the IVF doctor's portion of it. So it's a very costly procedure. And tell me, what's the biggest surprise that hopeful parents find when they're working with a surrogate? Obviously, the price is a big part of it, but what else is kind of like, oh, I didn't realize that this was coming? Oh, the time it takes. Like a lot of parents, they call and they want to carry her tomorrow. It's a process. And because there's such a need, there's actually a backlog for carriers. So when you contact your agency, you may have a three to six month wait before you can be matched. So we tell our intended parents, give it two years, like for the total process. So Shadina, tell me, what advice would you give to families who are considering going the surrogacy route? Get that out of your mind that, you know, you failed yourself as a woman. If you can't carry yourself, there are other options and resources out there for you. And we're here to help support you through it. That's it for this episode of Me Becoming Mom. Next week, I'm talking to Olympic gymnast and gold medalist Sean Johnson East, who suffered a miscarriage before welcoming two healthy babies. She also opened up to me about what pregnancy is like for someone who struggled with disordered eating. I had struggled so long with eating disorders. I had taken, you know, excessive amounts of Adderall and I had taken weight loss pills and I had, I had abused my body for so long that my worst fear going through all of that back then was, am I going to do permanent damage to my body? And I didn't have a period for years and I, I had I'd truly done harm and my first reaction when we miscarried and him saying it's nothing that you did was but it probably is 
If you like our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. We would also love it if you told a friend about us. This podcast is produced by people in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Andy Cubis, Jason Mack, Brian Rivers, Elisa Sessler, and Suzanne Semeloff. Our executive producers are Lauren Mickler, David Flumenbaum, and me, Zoe Ruderman. Thank you so much for listening.